This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a podcast from Joy's jazz show, Bent Notes. Tune in live each Sunday night at joy.org.au. My guest on Bent Notes is a Melbourne-based pianist, composer, educator, singer and songwriter who has released a number of albums, composed music for films and stage shows and composed live to air on radio in response to listener requests. Tonight, Monique Dimitina brings to us a glimpse of a newish project looking at the life of Australian writer and feminist Stella Miles Franklin. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Bent Notes, Monique Dimitina. Welcome, Monique. Thanks, David. It's so lovely to be back. It's been far too long, Monique. It is really good to have you back. It really has. We had a few hiccups for a couple of years, didn't we We all? We certainly did, didn't we? But uh, let's not mention them tonight. No, no. (laughs) No, let's not mention that at all. Monique, I saw a post recently that suggested you've got some very special socks that you use when composing. What special value do they bring to your work? I like to have warm feet, David. I can't be cold, and especially not in the extremities. From what I've seen, Monique, I think there's something very special about the decorations on these socks. Yes, it's very it's very on point. The little piano socks with green notes all over them. They are such cute socks. I think so. What part do they play when you're composing, Monique? Well, they were given to me by a dear friend. They came from very far over the sea and they make me feel good. You can also compose when you're feeling bad. I'm not too precious about that. But certainly this Melbourne winter has been a winter of discontent as I struggle to birth the end of this musical project and they really help me through. Your musical project is called Stella, but the first question is, who was Stella Miles Franklin? Stella Miles Franklin was an Australian author. She was born roughly around the same time Ned Kelly was checking out, 1879. He died in 1880. She died in 1954 in her 70s, and in her time she wrote over 20 books, over 30 plays, hundreds of articles, thousands of letters. You know, it was the time of letter writing and she lived in Australia. She was born in the Snowy Mountain foothills. She lived in Australia, then she lived in Chicago, in London. She served on the field in Serbia in World War I. Then she moved back to Australia for the last 20 years of her life and was a big figure in Australian literature at that time, best known as the author of My Brilliant Career. It seemed to me when I found out about her, quite randomly, I can't even really remember how, such a shame that we don't know more about her amazing life story. It's a great tale, a sort of rags to riches tale really, but the riches in the end are not money riches, they're juicy cultural riches that she left for us all. When she passed away, she left uh, some of money to create the Miles Franklin Literary Award, which continues to this day. It's Australia's most prestigious literary prize. I've read that Stella Miles Franklin wrote under a number of different non plumes, uh, including, of course, Miles Franklin. Was the reason that she chose to write under what are ostensibly male non plumes the reason because the male author would be accepted more than the female? Most people do not realise this. 
she's such an extraordinary person. It really just seems sad to me that folks don't know about her because she's very inspiring. Not only her story, the the facts of her life, but in the show you get to know her as a person and we have a lot of letters from her and to her that really help us build a very rich picture of her as a person. She's wicked and witty, funny, intelligent, quirky and so fun to get to know. She's been great company this whole time. And I felt I wanted to share that story. We need great stories. I also really wanted to tell the story of a cultural hero or heroine. She seems to me one that we can all be inspired by. I've heard of the Miles Franklin Award many times over the years, but I didn't realise it was named after a female author. Yes, absolutely. She was wanting to pose as a male writer because at the time, 1901 was when My Brilliant Career was published. You wouldn't really be taken seriously as a female writer. Her contemporaries were people like Henry Handel Richardson, E, the poet, a.k.a. Mary Fullerton. So it was certainly de rigueur for women writing at the time to have a male pseudonym. But Henry Lawson, who arranged for My Brilliant Career to be published, blew her cover in the preface, sadly, which she was really upset about. He thought he was doing her a favour because he, I mean, he did do her a favour in arranging the book to be published. And he wrote this very glowing, appreciative preface. But he also outed her as he said, she's just a little bush girl, which she was. She was 18 when she wrote the story. She was very upset by that because she did want to continue posing as a, as a man. As you've said, Monique, Stella lived in both the US and in London. Did she travel over there specifically for work or were there other reasons for that touring? Well, she left because she was fed up. 1906, she left. Five years after My Brilliant Career was published, it made a huge splash. Everyone was talking about her. She was top of the pops. Then the publishing establishment really shut its doors and wouldn't publish the sequel she wrote three novels between 1901 and 1906 and no one would publish them. She was at that time moving amongst the literati, people like Rose Scott, Vida Goldstein, Badger Patterson. They all encouraged her to just go to the States and, and get on with her fantastic career over there, seeing as the publishing establishment. They really were trying to shut down her feminist narrative. The story of my brilliant career, if our dear listeners recall, has the heroine refuse the hand of marriage that's offered because she wants to be a writer. It was a feminist narrative and the publishing establishment didn't really want to encourage that sort of thing. She wasn't published and therefore she decided to go overseas and we lost her for some time. Yeah, yeah, for, for 26 years she lived. First in Chicago for nine years and then in London. In the musical we end up following her to Chicago and to London and getting into the guts of the crazy, extraordinary life that she lived over there. She became, in Chicago, a, a key figure in the women's trade union labour movement in the US. There was a historic garment workers' strike in 1910 in Chicago and Stella Franklin was at the forefront of that strike. She was the press secretary for the strikers and she edited the magazine that communicated to the strikers called Life and Labour. Yeah, she was a key figure in the burgeoning women's labour movement in the US. Then World War I broke out and she moved to London to help with the war effort. 
Did I read somewhere, Monique, that Stella did some nursing while she was overseas? Yeah, she didn't have nursing credentials, but she went to Serbia with the British Red Cross as a cook, joking that the poor lads would have to eat her cooking. <laughs> <laughs> the domestic pursuits were not what she was on the on the planet for. Sounds like she was much more interested in communicating stories and other information. But she did end up doing nursing because the need was so great. But, yeah, she worked in this hospital in Serbia. Then she contracted malaria. And oh, no. at that time you'd, you'd have a quinine in- injection for malaria and it, it um, hit her sciatic nerve and she couldn't oh, sit wow. for three months. And that yet so she left the hospital. They, they sent her back to London Shortly after she left the hospital she'd been working in, it was bombed by the Germans. So she escaped death that way by a very narrow margin. Wow. And then she lived in London for 15 years after that and running around with the Bloomsbury set, Virginia Woolf. Henry Handel Richardson was living in London at the time. They were not buddies, but they met and were respectfully aware of each other's work. And then she moves back to Australia and all of this gets set to toe-tapping tunes in the, in the show. And what you've just described, Monique, as her journeys around the world, is that all covered in the show itself? Yeah, it is. Stella, the show that you've composed, Monique, I understand is not yet into full theatrical production mode, but you're in a workshop mode. What does that mean? We're at the point where we've got the script and we've got all the songs and it's... uh We're doing this workshop season, which is three nights at the Jazz Lab in Brunswick, because we want to see, we want to get the momentum, really play it properly, having rehearsed it, and see how it's sitting at the moment. And we want to test it out in front of audiences. So we've got three shows that should do it. Three shows sounds like a great opportunity to get some really good audience feedback and a great opportunity as an audience to to see a musical partway through its development. Is this the first time that you've actually put this music onto a performance mode, Monique? We did play just only the music last year at the Women's Jazz Festival. Even just having the music played through was fantastic. So this is going to be even more fun now that we've got the script embedded. We've got 10 players. Oh, Alma is playing Stella Miles Franklin. She's incredible. A fabulous voice. If you haven't heard Alma Ziger, you should go now before you can't afford it. She's actually the most extraordinary talent. A real star in the making. And the, what she brings to the voice also, her characterizations are unique. A great word to describe her voice. She really inhabits each song and communicates such a depth of emotion in, in the songs she sings. When I started writing Stella, the Miles Franklin story, I immediately thought of Alma. And I'm so happy that she's involved. Will we be hearing Alma singing in the first person as Stella? Yes, we are. Yeah. And she's also acting the role of Stella. And then we have We've got an all-star cast oh, of singing musicians. We have Zanny Kolak on the violin, Femme Belling on the violin, and Esther Henderson on the violin, all singing and playing. What a wonderful trio to have. Kalina Krushteva on the cello and Sam Leman on guitar. Wonderful. That old hack. We couldn't <laughs> get anyone else, so we had to get oh, Sam. I suppose he'll do. Awful. He'll do. Ben Robertson on the bass and... Adrian Perger on the trumpet and Kat Canteri playing drums and singing as well. What an so, amazing cast. Yes, it's a huge cast and 
yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to have great fun. Uh, well, Monique, are you actually taking part in the musical side of things yeah. or are you out front uh, keeping everything in I'm order? I'm playing piano and singing and I'm playing the mother oh. who is a very complex character herself. Uh-huh. I should mention we've got two actors as well ah, playing right. various roles, playing the role of Vida Goldstein, the very important figure in Australian suffrage history and, and women's movement history. Vida Goldstein was the first woman to stand for parliament in Australia. And the role of Dimfna Kuzak, who's an Australian author, a generation younger than Stella Miles Franklin, and they become very close friends when Stella moves back to Australia. Dimfna Kuzak, folks might recall, wrote Come In Spinner. She was a really big name in Australian literature in her day. And yeah, she's, she's a fascinating character. It's been so fun for me learning about all these people. Each, each one of them could have their own musical. Have any of them inspired you so much that you've already started your research for something in the future? I'm thinking about Louisa Lawson, Henry Lawson's mother. Oh, that could be very interesting. She operated a printing press. Oh, really? A women's printing press. Oh, really? And she was a leading figure in suffrage in this country, which, you know, we were so progressive back then. I don't know what happened. We've fallen back. Since then, but, you know... we. We were the first country where women could not only vote but also stand for parliament in 1902. So it was was very progressive at the time, of course, in the US. Well, Stella couldn't believe it when she moved to Chicago. Her words were, oh, it's awfully Noah's Arkish over here. Oh, those words say a lot. That women haven't got the vote. Rolled up her sleeves and got to to really working hard at it. And, of course, it wasn't until the early 1930s that, they had suffrage in the UK to the extent that we had it here. It crept in bit by bit. First, they gave it to the posh women. Could have a vote if you owned land in the beginning. And then gradually, gradually, by the early 1930s, they got what we'd had already in 1902. This musical is sounding really, really interesting, Monique. Have you given any thought to how it might look on stage in the theatre as such, as opposed to the concert uh, format? Oh, David, I haven't got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Other than it's going to look fantastic. Yeah, I I plan on someone else making it look fantastic. This is it's been so fun this project, but it has really stretched me to my limits in terms of thinking because I've been writing the script as well as all the lyrics and the music. Ah, how long have you been working on it, Monique? Well, this year's been script. Last year was music, and the year before that was a ton of research and a bit of music. So three years. Yeah. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. But by the sound of it, you've got everything in place. You've got your music, you've got your lyrics, you've got your story and your script. You sound so enthusiastic, Monique. It's super fun. I've, I've never had so much fun in a project, I have to say, because it does feel to me like a very important story to tell. There's so much in it. It's hard to, of course, that's the challenge because you can only put so much in. But she was a conservationist. Oh, really? She was unusual in her time in so many ways. She and Dimfna Kuzak, who I mentioned earlier, wrote Australia's first political satire novel together, a book called Pioneers on Parade, which arose out of their mockery of the 1938 sesquicentenary, which was the celebration of 150 years of invasion. And they they were kind of horrified at it. Stella said at the time, we should be making amends to... The Aboriginal people, those were her words. Well ahead of her Instead, time. Instead, we toast our gruesome victory with taxpayer champagne. She was a, a lover of Australian land, a lover of 
First Nations and and what they gave to Australian culture and she really felt very strongly about that and about preserving the landscape. It horrified her that gum trees were being felled even then. And also she she did a lot for Australian literature. She annoyed the Prime Minister verily to get funding for Australian writers and support for Australian writers in she worked, lobbied to get living writers represented in the libraries because they were full of books by dead people. She really just worked to better the world around her as she saw it. It sounds as if Stella the Musical will certainly continue to provide Stella's opinions and philosophies to the community today. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much that the show speaks to today's issues in a way that's you kind of wish it wouldn't. You wish that we'd learnt some of the lessons that she was fighting about then, but no, they're still relevant today. Look after the land, show respect to the Indigenous people of the land. Let's not have war. She she lived through two world wars. She was so horrified by that. Her, her um, yeah, the, well, come to the musical to hear all the stories about how she was affected by the wars, but terribly. Stella, the Miles Franklin story in workshop mode, will be presented at the Jazz Lab across three days, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, October 6, 7 and 8. For more details, go to thejazzlab.com.au. Monique, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us tonight about what sounds like a really special musical experience and I'm sure it will become a very special theatrical experience too. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, I think it's foremost a, um, a celebration of her and her vibrant spark of life. But absolutely, there are, there are lots of lessons embedded. It has been my pleasure again to speak with you, Monique, and uh, my best wishes to you for a very successful trio of workshops and a really special theatrical production in the very near future. That's the plan. Thanks so much, David. My guest on Bent Notes has been singer, songwriter, composer and pianist Monique Dimatina. Cheers. You're listening to Joy 94.9. You've been listening to a podcast from Bent Notes. Join us live each Sunday night on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.